It's a beautiful thing. Stand to your feet. I'm excited to preach this morning. We're starting a new sermon series called Vision. And uh, I want to dig into this to set the stage for what we're going to be talking about. Acts chapter 6. We're going to read verses 1 through 7. It says, in those days when the number of disciples were increasing. Let me stop there. How many are thankful that the number of disciples are increasing? Amen. We're going to baptize almost 30 people Wednesday night. That's a, that's a good thing. But increase can pose problems at times. If you have one kid, you have a certain number of problems. If you have five kids, you got problems. Exponential problems. They're beautiful, yeah. You got four kids in diapers, you're going to lose your mind. So in those days when the number of disciples was increasing, the Hellenistic Jews among them complained against the Hebraic Jews because their widows were being overlooked in the daily distribution of food. So the 12 gathered all the disciples together and said, it would not be right for us to neglect the ministry of the word of God in order to wait on tables. Brothers and sisters, choose seven men from among you who were known to be full of the spirit and wisdom. We will turn this responsibility over to them and will give our attention to prayer and the ministry of the word. This proposal pleased the whole group. They chose Stephen, a man full of faith in the Holy Spirit, also Philip and Prochorus and Nicanor, Timon. And, and don't blame me for not being able to pronounce these people. And Nicholas from Antioch, a convert to Judaism. They presented these men to the apostles who prayed late their hands on them. So the word of God spread. So you got growth, you got a problem, and then you got growth. Did you see that? Growth, problem. Let me back up. Growth, problem, solution, growth. Growth, problem, solution, growth. That's how your life works. Growth, problem, solution, growth. Your kid's five and then he's 13 and you realize his jeans don't fit anymore. You got a problem. You go to Sears Roebuck and you buy him tough skins. Wait a second, that was 30 years ago. They had a good thing for a while. So the word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly and a large number of priests became obedient to the faith. Father, we thank you today, Lord. We pray that you give us clarity what we look at for your glory. Lord, let this word renew our minds today, God. And we pray that the gospel will go forward because we were together. And it's in your mighty name we pray, the only name by which we can be saved. Amen and amen. All right, you may be seated. I need to give you a little background on what's happening here because you probably saw two words at the beginning that you may not be familiar with, Hellenistic and Hebraic. And I'm sure you're walking into work going, oh, the Hellenistic people are here today. I mean, nobody uses that terminology anymore. What was happening is that the church was rapidly growing in Jerusalem and the apostles were were trying to figure it out. And there was a group of Greek-speaking Jewish people who did not not originally reside in Jerusalem. They were Greek-speaking, they didn't speak Hebrew. And so it was kind of a different sect of Jews that had moved back into Jerusalem almost as a retirement deal. They're moving back to, to basically pass their last years in Jerusalem. And so the, 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 the husbands had passed away and it left these Greek-speaking uh, 
Jewish widows. So what the problem that arises is, is that for the Hebraic, the Hebrew speaking Jewish widows, the locals, if you want to call them, the people that were, that were from there, there was a mechanism in place to keep them fed, to keep them their supplies, to keep, to keep them going. Uh, all the way back to the Old Testament, uh, there was just mechanisms in place. But now you see, um, I don't know if I'd call it blatant racism, but you know how you can say, hey, we're taking care of our family, you can figure out yours. So the Hellenistic or Greek-speaking Jews, the widows started complaining. And the terminology for complaining here was kind of the same, in the same light as what the Israelites did against Moses. So they're, they're, they're bickering about the leadership. Anybody ever been in leadership and had a little bickering under you? It's fun. And so what happens is there's some bickering that is going on here. And because there's a legitimate need that is going uh, unmet. And so you got one group of widows seeing that another group of widows is being taken care of and they're being ignored. And so they have a legitimate gripe. And so they start to bring it enough that it works its way up to the apostles and they get wind of it. And so, so now, they're, now there's a problem. The church is growing rapidly in Jerusalem, but there's a problem now. Some of our own people are irritated. Some of our own people are upset uh, because, listen, not growth is great, but when needs go unmet, growth gets overlooked. Your, your, my son is not enamored by shoes that don't fit. Amen. So growth is exciting, but when you start to outgrow your shoes, growth becomes irritating because now I got a pair of shoes that don't fit and, and then they hurt when I put them on. So growth in any organization, any family can become exciting until the stuff doesn't fit anymore. And the, and the system and structure they had in place to take care of people was not meeting the needs. So I, I need to make sure you on, can, could, Beth, could you hand me those glasses right there? I, I turned 43 this year. <laughs> when I turned 40, I had an experience uh, where I couldn't see something up close. It was humbling. I seem to remember, my son and I work on vehicles on our own and and it was one of my daughter's cars and we had to put an axle in it. And so I, I didn't, we jacked it up and I had this thing you get on, you slide under it and I had pulled the axle out and we had gotten some, some, uh, differential fluid on the ground, uh, but it was on concrete and I wasn't really paying attention. And so when I went to put the new axle in, you had to line these things up and I realized I couldn't get my head far enough away from it to see it. And so I've got my head cocked back as far as I can get it. And my son says, hey, dad, I had slid it off of the thing I was laying on and actually had it on the ground as far back as I could. And my son said, hey, dad, your head's in the oil. <laughs> and I said, bro, it's too late now. I still can't see. So I realized I started buying reading glasses. Now cool thing about reading glasses is I don't need to wear them all the time. 
Because my vision that far is great. Matter of fact, when we were in Masa Amira, Nat kept saying to me, how do you see all those lights? Because we'd be driving. I'd be like, man, there's a light. Oh, there's a, bro, check that out. And he'd say, how do you? i say, man, I got good vision far out. I can't read anything this close. So I started getting these reading glasses. These are twos uh, right now, <laughs> currently. And I'm not going to the eye doctor. I just refuse to do that. So before I left, I got these and I got these TJ Maxx. They were like 10 bucks. I got three pair of them, different colors. So here's what I figured out. When I'm laying in bed at night reading, my wife walked in one night. She said, oh, you're cute with those glasses on. And I said, I'll wear them all the time, baby. So my daughter likes um, Harry Potter. So I got a pair of Harry Potter readers. Um, but they have been, they've been a great asset to me. Because like, I remember the first time I put a pair of my wife's readers on and I, and I was like, oh, I, there's a whole universe I didn't realize existed up close. And so now I'm dependent on them. Like we were working on a car the other day and I, and I had to put the glasses on. And so I'm walking around the shop like this because how many of you know readers are great until you go like that? <laughs> and then you're blind again. So I'm only 43, but I've got to wear readers down on the end of my nose or I'll die. <laughs> because, because readers are good for here, not here. Anybody else suffering with me today? Well, it's over 40. And you realize that the, that the curse of sin causes you to be dumb and have to wear these things. And so, and so these have become a reality in my life. I carried, with, I carried two, two or three pair with me to Africa because I was afraid I was going to lose a pair and wouldn't be able to read. So, so I'm, I'm doing this whole, I'm managing this thing in my life now. I'm realizing that I can't, I can't see close anymore without some help. Uh, but I can see far away. Uh, another thing happened, uh, Nat, uh, we, we went downtown Nairobi at, towards the end of the trip and, and, and he's got some, a little bit of, he had some walk, some issues where he had to keep his head down all the time. He had to keep his head down all the time to walk. And I was keeping my head up because I wanted to look at what he wasn't looking at. I'm walking with him. Only there was nobody looking in the middle. I swear to you, I don't know where this pole came from, but it was about this tall. <laughs> He's got his head down. I got my head up looking like this. And I mean, boom. And I almost fell over. And he said, are you okay? I was like, how did neither of us see that? So I said, what do readers have to do with the church growing? The apostles here are dealing with something that I don't, I don't think they were necessarily prepared for. That when, when things grow, you get excited and things are happening and, and everything's working and, and, and it happens. And then all of a sudden, a problem pops up. And, and these Greek-speaking Jewish widows are now presenting a legitimate problem. But I need to preface that by saying I'm a man. And I learned a long time ago, it's not a problem if you don't look at it. Your wife's like, are you going to fix the back door? I don't use the back door. 
I come in through the garage. I didn't even know it was broke because I don't look at it. And just because you said it's broke doesn't mean I'm going to go look at it. Any ladies suffering through that right now? If he would just look at it, he would see that it's broke. But see, I realize that if I don't look at it, I'm not responsible for it. So all of a sudden we've reverted back to being five-year-olds where you're like, you look at that. And you're like, I'm not looking at it. Because as soon as I recognize it, as soon as I focus on it, then I'm responsible for the problem. So you can imagine in your family the things that you don't focus on you think can't hurt you. Well, if I just ignore it, it'll go away. If I just ignore this thing in my marriage, it'll go away. If I don't look at it, it'll just, it'll solve itself. If I don't, if I don't look at this thing with my kids, it'll just solve itself. And, and you see, you see people walk through life, not focusing on anything. They're just like, nope, it's not there. It's not there. It's not there. It's not there. It's like a big growth coming off the side of your head. Everybody else sees it. You're like, I don't look in the mirror. And until it physically impedes us, we don't pay attention to it. But what happens here in scripture is that this rapid growth of the church, now all of a sudden the system's not working, and so somebody brings it up to the apostles' attention, and they say, you have to look at this. And so they go, oh, 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 okay, what's going on? Well, there's some people here, and you can imagine the complaints. Well, just because we're Greek-speaking Jews, they're not taking care of us. And just because we're not from here, they're not. You can imagine all kinds of complaints coming up. And you can imagine the apostles going, ah, I don't want to hear all that. The church is growing. We don't need this mess. If I don't look at it, I'm not responsible for it. We do that. But thankfully, in this circumstance, the apostles didn't do that. Even in the midst of success and growth, when the problem arose, they looked at it and they went, oh, oh, wait a second. This is really happening. This is really happening. There are people in our midst, part of our, part of converts to Christianity, part of converts to the way that are not being taken care of. This can't keep happening. And so, so as you know, once, once I take a look at it and once I, I recognize that it's an issue, then there becomes a responsibility to be able to focus. So what happened was when I turned 40, I realized that, that my natural ability to see things correctly had left me and I had to have some help to do that. And so I, I I put on glasses now to help me see certain things that I wouldn't see before. I still don't see the back door, but I can, I can read better. Now I need to, I need to introduce something else into this conversation. How many of you, how many of you are detail oriented? I've asked this question several times, but I think it's, I think it's very important. You, You see the details. You're a detailed person. How many of you are not like that? You're like, I see 20 years down there. I'm not a vision caster. Raise your hand if you're like that. Oh, dear God. No one? Come on, how many of you are visionary? Like, man, I hate details. Anybody? Like, you're all accountants. That's weird. Okay, let me tell you how I'm wired. I'm not a detailed person. Anybody that works with me will tell you that. I, 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 don't, 
I'm not a detailed person. I, um, I like we're having a fourth, we're having the, the July 10th baptism. I'm just like baptism, fireworks, boo, <laughs> boo, let's do it. Okay. Where are we going to set the fireworks off? I don't know. Preferably not in the crowd. Let's figure, somebody figure that out. Where are we going to put the dying? I, where are we going to, where? And so I'm good at going fireworks, baptisms, boo. And then, and then I have to make way for other people to come in and say, Chris, people could die. <laughs> oh. So you've heard me joke before about like we go on vacation. The Jones family has a spreadsheet. It ain't because I did it. I can tell you that right now. I flew to Africa. I, um, I, let me back up. If we went on vacation without a spreadsheet, Chris would show up at the beach with no clothes. And we don't go to those type of beaches. So, so the problem is I'm like vacation, fireworks, boom. And my wife says, do you want to eat while we're gone? Yeah. So she's working out all the details, all the details, all the details. I'm like, let's do something, you know, whatever. So she works out all the details. Well, what happens is I'm responsible for my trip to Africa. It's not good. So I pack everything and, I, and I've done it enough times now over the years where I kind of know what the necessities I need, but I'm always underestimating things. And so on my back, I carry a backpack and one carry on and the rest of the stuff is in a regular suitcase. So I put my backpack on, I got a pair of underwear and a pair of socks in my backpack. I'm like, worst case scenario. <laughs> I miss a flight between Brussels and Frankfurt. I missed the connecting flight from Frankfurt to Nairobi. It takes me 10 more hours and my luggage doesn't show up with me. The only issue is I'm now catching a flight from Nairobi into Masai Mara. I'll be gone two days with no luggage. Tom was picking up my luggage for me. And so now I'm like, oh, this is going to be fun. I'm washing my laundry in the sink. I've got one pair of trousers, one shirt, an extra pair of underwear, and an extra pair of socks. So I keep the same clothes on for about 36 hours as any well-respecting man would do. <laughs> then I go to the gift shop and I'm like, dude, I can't do this anymore for the German people that are riding in the truck with me. We can't do this anymore. Chris has got to get some clean clothes. So I go into the gift shop and I find a pair of safari pants. I'm like, at least I'll look the part. And I find this neat shirt that has an elephant logo on the front of it. And I think, man, that's a cool looking logo. I'm going to get that. And so I get the shirt. It's kind of a safari green and it's matching my pants as far as a colorblind man could tell. And, um, and I get it. It's got some Swahili writing on the back and, and I'm, this is a cool shirt. So I get it. The next morning I get up, we're getting ready to go out on safari and I put the shirt on and I put the pants on and I walk out. I'm like, man, I'm ready. And a woman, another, I don't know where she's from. Uh, she says, what's that? What's the back of your shirt say? I said, I don't know. So a guy that works there, he said, it says after lunch or after work, it's a beer shirt. And I went, yeah, it is. And I'm a pastor. And this is what you get when you don't plan well. 
You show up at a game park with a beer shirt on. I worked at Walmart the other night. I don't think anybody drinks that beer here. It's a cool shirt. So, like, Chris, you got to look at the details a little more, brother. Just at least bring a pair of pants and an extra shirt. Ah. Here's what happens. If you're married or you're people in your family that are wired different than you, it's irritating, isn't it? Oh, man, it's so irritating. We've been married 23 years. And there were times where I've been looking way out past things and she's looking at the checkbook. And I'm like, well, how's that get us anywhere? And she's like, and she's looking at the checkbook, looking at me going, how are you getting us anywhere? And so what you find out is that oftentimes that create, creates this tension in our lives where, 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 we've, where we've, we're in relationship with people that have different clarity. You have people that can, in your life that can see far out this way, and then you have people in your life that see really close. Or maybe everybody around you sees really far out, and you're always looking at the details, and you can't figure out why, why these people are so irritating. They never pay attention to anything. They're just always off thinking about something big, and, and we got to figure out what to do right now. And then for those of you that think about things big, you're like, these people are always just poo-pooing my ideas and they're saying we don't have enough money and they're, and they're saying we don't have enough this and, and we, could, we could never afford to do that. We could never do this. We could never do that. And you're like, come on, you got to dream a little bit. You got to be able to trust God. You're like, I am trusting God. And it becomes tension in your life at times. And what I realized is, is that we need trifocals actually. You ever seen anybody with trifocals? So watch how the church goes forward. Watch how the church goes forward. The apostles say, okay, the church is growing rapidly. This is exciting. But we've heard this issue pop up. Some people who are part of us are not getting taken care of. We cannot let this happen. Can I, can I present to you that they didn't see it initially because it's not what God intended them to look for. Now watch. So the apostles aren't the ones that saw it. The complaint came up from the bottom. Dare I say the detail people. Hey, Peter. I know you're plotting ahead with the gospel and all that stuff, but we got some issues down here. And there's some Greek-speaking widows that aren't getting fed. Now, Peter could say, hey, don't bug me with that stuff. You guys are always irritating me. Look at all the details and the spreadsheets. and the, and the I just can't be bothered with it. I, you know I've got to pray and I've got to advance this gospel. He doesn't say that. He says, oh, okay. It's a real issue. We'll take a look at it. And because he was willing to listen to the detail people, they were able to come up with a plan. What we will do now is we will find seven good leaders and we'll put them in charge of all this stuff. Because it wouldn't be good for me to stop what I'm doing or you to stop what you're doing. Ah. So that means the person that sees the detail 
is just as important as the person that sees a long ways off. You see, he didn't differentiate. He didn't say, what I'm doing is more important than what you're doing. He's saying, they're the same importance. So the, so the, the fact that you saw the problem down here is just as important as me seeing the future out there. So you're detailed, I'm casting vision, and I think we can work together on this. So let's appoint seven people. Matter of fact, they were genius because if you read the list of the seven guys they appointed, they were all Greek speaking. These guys weren't dummies. Hey, as Greek widows, we should at least put something in charge that they can understand. So watch what happens. So instead of being irritated by the details, they embraced the people that could see them. I'll let that sink in a little bit. Here's what I've realized in 23 years of marriage. My wife sees things absolutely 100% differently than me almost every time we look at it. You want to start an argument between us? Give us a math problem to figure out. Am I right about that? Because I do it the simple way. She proceeds the accountant way. And I said, I got the same answer as you. It's right. She said, show me your work. I said, I don't have any. I did it all in my head twice while you were typing it out and making a spreadsheet. I was already done. And, and so we get in this, no, that's not the right thing. And then you start a business together and you realize, oh, we will fight. Oh, we will fight about that cash flow because I know I could just do it in my head. X minus Y is always, and she's like, yeah, but you got to share this. I'm like, the issue is if you're not careful, you begin to elevate yourself above the person that sees differently than you do. And what you're missing is that you need clarity on every level. So God didn't put somebody in your life to compete with you. He put somebody in your life to compliment you. Because if you've got the readers on all day long looking down, you're going to run into something. And if you've got your head in the clouds all day long, you're going to run into something and it's going to hurt worse because it's going to be a little lower. So what God does is he puts people in our lives, whether it's your wife or husband or, or, or family member or best friend or whatever. He puts people in our lives that have clarity in different ranges. Oh, you always look at the details and you start to ridicule somebody. Whoa, let's step back. I'm glad you look at the detail because that frees me up to do what I do. It's not better or worse. It's both a necessity. Because if you're not looking at the details, I'm going to run over the whole thing. And if all we're doing is looking at the details, we're never going to get anywhere. So now do, do this one exercise that will change your marriage. Look at your spouse right now if you're married. Look at your spouse right now if you're married. And say, I'm glad you are the way you are. Tell them right now. I'm glad you are the way you are. Because you see things that I don't see. Amen? But what we do is we let that irritate us. We're like, oh, he's always thinking about, never thinking about this. Yeah. That's good. Well, she never... No, that's good. And what you see work out here is the gospel goes forward because certain people see clarity in one area and certain people see clarity in the other area. And they didn't fight about it. They came up with a solution because of it. 
They said, hey, you got readers on, you, you saw the problem, and you presented it to us. It would not be good for us to stop thinking the way we're thinking and to come down into the details and fix that. We're going to leave that to you, but it's really important, and it frees us up to do what we do. So you do what you do, we do what we do, we see different types of clarity, and it all works together. So now the church can see far, can see mid-range, and can see really close all at the same time. Because we value people who have different clarity. And what I've figured out in my life is when I stop letting the, my wife's clarity irritate me, it causes us to be better together. Can I say this to you? If you're not married yet, let me let, me let you in on a little temptation. It's very tempting to start dating people who see the same thing that you see. Oh, they love just a dream and their heads are in the cloud. We'll think about far away. Oh, it's so great. Somebody needs to do the checkbook. And you will far away dream yourself into bankruptcy. So you know what you do? Well, they got to be attractive. That's a given. But you start saying, oh, wait a second. You think differently than me. That's not an irritation. That's God's protection on my life. He's drawing you close to me. You see, you see really far away and always see close. I'm not going to let that irritate me. I'm going to use that to my advantage. Because now together we can see everything. Now together... There's nothing that can stop us now because the details will get taken care of and the long range vision will get taken care of and everything will keep moving forward as long as I don't turn your gifting into an irritation. As long as I don't turn the way God wired you into something that I don't need anymore. And I'm going to tell you something, the older I get, the more I realize I need some help. The more I realize that there's things in my life that I can't see. And let me tell you something else. If you're looking at yourself, you can't see everything. It'd be good for you to invite somebody with a little more detail orientation to look at you. I have to have my wife. I am colorblind. Does this work? Is what I'm wearing works? I've come home before with pants that I thought were brown and they're green. It's in those moments where I'm glad my wife's detail oriented. She could be like, no, you look fine. <laughs> So I begin to cherish that in her. And I begin to cherish that in the church. And the people that bring problems aren't irritants. They're the people that see details. And it's exciting. Because now we're moving forward. But the problems are being handled. Amen? So here's what happens. It says this. So the word of God spread. You know what the end result of being able to have clarity in every distance? The word of God spread. The number of disciples in Jerusalem increased rapidly. Stand to your feet. I want to encourage you this morning. You may be the only person in your context that sees the way you do. And, and, you, and you may have been coming through a season where people are irritating you. I don't know why they don't think like me, see like me. In order for anybody, any family, church, ministry, well, it doesn't matter what it is, to move forward and grow, you've got to be able to see on every level. 
And the truth of the matter is, is God wired very, very few people to be able to do all of those, if any. So the beauty of it is he's, he's designed us to be in relationship. He's designed us to be interdependent on each other. He's designed us to walk through this life depending on one person looking down and one person looking up. And and it's not derogatory for either of them. It's just how he designed us. If you look down, I'll look up. If I look up, you look down. And we'll get through this thing. And we'll be really good at the end. And so here's here's my commitment to you and the commitment that I've made to my family. I'm not, 23 years I've learned, I'm not trying to change the way my wife thinks. Some of you are still complaining and still trying to change the way your spouse thinks. Stop it. If you haven't succeeded yet, start embracing it. And start saying, I'm glad you see things the way you see them. I'm glad God's given you clarity to see that. And you know what? The very thing that was a rock in your shoe will now become the thing that propels you into growth. And so in this church, I want us to be able to see at every distance, every level, Lord, we're going forward and it's because of the clarity of the people here. It's not because we all see the same, it's because we all have clarity at different visions different of different depths of different of different issues we all have clarity and in the and in the kingdom going forward clarity is king amen so i want to pray over you this morning i want to pray that you have clarity in your family i want to pray that you have clarity in your business i want to pray that whatever level you're looking at you'd have clarity and that god will surround you with people that see differently God will surround you with people that can see up or down or wherever you, you're not looking, that God would surround you with people that can have clarity in those spaces. Father, we thank you this morning. Lord, you told us to fix our eyes on you, to fix our focus on you. And Lord, we do that today. You're the... You're the lamp unto our feet and the light unto our path, and you're leading us, Lord. But you've put this big body together. You put families together. You put husband and wives together. You put you put newlyweds together. You put people dating together, Lord. You put businesses together. God, you you surround us with people who see differently, who have a different focus. So, Lord, I pray that we'd embrace those circumstances in our lives. I pray that we'd embrace, Lord our differences and clarity. And God, as a result of that, Lord, I pray that you give us solutions. I pray that that we grow and I pray that the gospel would ultimately go forward rapidly like we read in this case. Thank you, God. Thank you, God, for clarity in our lives and thank you for the people you put around us. We want good vision, Lord. And we thank you for giving it to us. Encourage us today with the people you've surrounded us with. And we thank you as this gospel goes forward. In Jesus' mighty name, we pray. Come on, church. Could you give him honor and praise this morning? He's good. He's good. Hey, listen, encourage somebody that sees differently than you today. And we'll see you back here next week.